There is a popular misconception that schools close in summer because way back when, kids would need to work on the family farm then. Really, it was because of the heat and the absence of air conditioning, coupled with the increase of summer vacations to cooler places, forcing the hand of administrators to do away with the old winter and summer terms and move to the schedule most schools still keep. Whether you thought it was because of the old agrarian economy or knew it was born from those other factors, neither of those reasons matter that much today, but we still have schools letting out for summer. In a similar way, Southern hospitality and tightly knit communities there came about because of a lot of things that do not exist anymore, but you can still witness them in people and places throughout the South. Families and friends still work together towards their common good, look out for one another, and entertain themselves here and there throughout the region, keeping alive a tradition and culture that still rings true. Go to Galax, Virginia and drop in on Dory Freeman and you can see what I mean. Chances are that you will see Dory making music with her husband, Nicholas Falk, friends like Victor Furtado, Eli Wildman, or Jackson Cunningham, and quite possibly her father and grandfather, who are making a record with her now too. The music they make stems directly from traditions that have diminished but thankfully have not vanished. It all rests on a foundation of interdependence, collaboration, and friendship that were essential for day-to-day -day survival and well-being everywhere in the South, back when there were far fewer people, very little infrastructure, and even less technology. While Dory Freeman is as old school as it gets in this regard, about as Appalachian as one can be in so many ways, she also fights against stereotypes by spreading awareness of the modern-day diversity of her region, supporting causes like Appalachian Center for Equality and Black in Appalachia. That progressive outlook applies to her music as well, with the electric feel and, as she puts it, the grungier sound of 10,000 Roses, Freeman's fourth album. I spoke with Dory at the Albino Skunk Music Festival in May of 2022, just ahead of her performance with her husband Nick Falk, as well as guest bandmates Rachel Bayman and Daniel Kimbrough, where they played the song you're hearing now, Appalachian. In our interview, I was joined by Sloane Spencer at a conversation that touched on Dory's deep Appalachian roots, recording her family album in Nick's newly constructed studio in their backyard, how she draws inspiration and ideas from listening to rap artists, and even her love of Topo Chico brand seltzer. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick, and this is our episode on Dory Freeman. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. 
Osiris works in partnership with Jambase, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. Five years ago, Dory Freeman worked with her producer, Teddy Thompson, to record her version of Richard and Linda Thompson's I Want to See the Bright Lights Tonight, with Richard making a guest appearance on guitar. It remains one of my favorite covers, and I asked Dory if there were going to be any covers in her set that day, and if she was working on covering any other songs lately. I don't think we're doing any covers today, um, but we are working on a family record with my dad and my grandpa, and there are some covers on that. We did um, a Leuven Brothers song, and uh, what did we do yesterday? Oh, we did um, a Carter family song, Lover's Return, that... It's made famous by the trio records that I love. Um, But I don't think we're playing any covers today specifically. Hmm. Well, at Albino Skunk, no matter what you play, it's going to be a a great audience. It's a listening audience. I remember that about this festival. That was one of the reasons I liked it so much is that they actually listened. (laughs) You know, it's it's not always the case. It's its own animal. Pun intended, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The I, animal I wore rescue. the wrong animal shirt today. I have my possum shirt on. Well, they've got the animal <laughs> rescue up here with the possum. I've got a, a video of a, a possum there? having a dream. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> asleep on its back. I need to go see that. Yeah. That's my favorite. Animals are like my, it's my favorite thing. Who saw the baby animals that they have up there? The foxes and the raccoons and stuff? That was the highlight of my day. I just wanted to mention that because it was made me very happy. Just to breathe And I need no reminder You don't feel the same for me Darling, I can't Stop thinking of you Like a dog in the hot night I'm howling for you And I know It'll leave me blue But I'm still In love with you That's a bit of You Say by Dory Freeman, which is on her first self-titled album from 2016, heard here from her performance in Greer, South Carolina, at the Albino Skunk Music Festival on Saturday, May 14th, 2022. Our conversation continued with Dory talking about the difference between her experience making music and that of her father and grandfather. So I'd say it's quite a bit different than like my grandpa's experience playing music, uh, but it's not, I don't think it's that much different than it was for my dad, because um, my dad gigged a lot when I was a kid, but never like in like a one band for a very long time, but just like lots of different bands he would fill in or play for a little while. Um, so he definitely has like the touring experience, and uh, he is a music teacher, um, which I would I couldn't have the patience for that, <laughs> but he's very good at it. Um, and then my grandpa, he did it more of like a hobby. Um, 
He also ran like a general store downtown in Galax, and then he's a pencil artist too. So music was kind of just like a, a fun thing for him. And, and he still plays and loves it, um, but it's more of like a hobby, I would say, for him. You know, it's an extraordinary story that you can have three generations of mu- of music artists in the same family, but mm-hmm. perhaps around Galax, it's not necessarily all that surprising that you have people that have come down through those traditions. Yeah, it's much more commonplace in, in Galax, I think. I know several families who have, you know, multiple generations that play music. Um, the Loose Strings is one that comes to mind. and But yeah, just lots of different people who it's kept in the family for generations, for sure. Um, keeping it in the family, your great-great-grandfather's nickname, Long Ben Blue Hen. Yes. And the community in eastern Kentucky known as the Blue Hens. Um, don't know if I've uncovered this story. What's really going on way back so when? So I, even I don't know like the full details and history of this, but there were different communities of families in Eastern Kentucky, that part of Eastern Kentucky where my grandfather's from, and they had different names for each community. So the Blue Hens was one, another one was called the Crooknecks, and there are at least one or two more that I, I'm not even sure what their names were, but they, they were just like colloquial names for communities little pocketed communities in in Kentucky so the blue hens was one of those (laughs) from the bluegrass state that's right yeah (laughs) it's a good tie-in well um I like how you had referred to your I think you said your perspective is lush and a little dark all at the same time and that got me thinking you know that's perfect for your setting in southern Appalachia because that's sort of the tenor, I think, of a lot of Appalachia, of the people, of sort of the place that there's this light and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was just perfect that you would have that viewpoint. Yeah, there's definitely, I think, especially with people uh, outside of Appalachia, there's like a, a vision of what people think Appalachia is versus like what, it, what the people who live there feel like it is, um, which is just another duality of that, I would say. Yeah, what other levels do you do you might have, you know, use of that perspective? Um, just like the dark versus the light yeah. in Appalachia, is that what you mean? Lush and a little dark Did at I, the is same that a, time. Is that a quote that I said at Yeah, some point? I think, you know, I think it can apply <laughs> to the I music think. as well, you yes. know. Yes, I mean, yes, it does. I don't know about the lush is probably not the, exactly the word that I'm in. No, but, but it's full. You've got your yeah. last record very full. Yeah, Um. I don't know. Appalachia is a special place. I feel like there's a, a very like strong tie to the geography, like the geography, the actual land itself yeah. that not a lot of places have, you know. Um, but yeah, and then there's like the stereotypes and like all the the darker history of Appalachia, mm-hmm. and, you know, that they've been used for coal and other sorts of businesses and really been taken advantage of and that's the darker side um and then you have music as the lighter side which has helped a lot of those generations you know get through those times like that and you know if you think about it i don't think it's getting any easier to live in appalachia honestly it's not a kind environment financially for so many people it's tough i mean you know they're there are pockets of that everywhere, but it's definitely something that you see a lot of in certain parts of Appalachia, which is a shame. Um, the people there are lovely and a lot more diverse than I think people realize that they are, um, which is 
you know, something that I think a lot of people miss when they, when they think of Appalachia. I ain't a good girl, though everybody thinks I am. I got a mind that's dirty as the bottom of a coffee can. Untied, what a white-eyed thing I am. I am, I am, I am. Today I felt just like a movie star. Driving That is I Am, the song that Dory says is likely her favorite from her new collection, 10,000 Roses, written only days before going into the studio and heard here from her recent performance at Albino Skunk. It is a kind of list of alter egos and points to all the different roles that women are expected to play as well as the double standards they are so often held to. Expectations for women are often out of line with reality, but that can go for whole regions too. Take Appalachia for example. What does that word bring to mind? For too long, the expectation of untold numbers of people visiting the region was that they would find nothing but white hillbillies there. As Sloane Spencer pointed out, that's not the case. Hey, this is Sloane Spencer chiming in here. So that's actually what I was going to ask about is, you know, I think maybe over the last couple of years, one of the benefits of the pandemic has been that people have started to maybe examine other areas in a better way. In my experience living in Appalachia was that it was much more diverse Mm -hmm. than outsiders view it. And is that something that speaks to the music? I I think that's been left out of the conversation in a lot of ways. Definitely. I mean, aside from what you typically think of in Appalachia, which is like bluegrass and old time, there's very large Hispanic community. So there's that type of music in the mix, too. Uh, There's where I'm from in Galax, there's um, a large black community, too, Mm -hmm. and, you know, like a lot of other styles of music, they get uh, overlooked when it comes to the credit for those types of music. Um, but yeah, like I, it's just, it's much more diverse than I think people think it is. I think people think it's just like white hillbilly, you know, mm-hmm. but it's the community that I know is much more diverse. Like the, the children that my daughter goes to school with, it's, it's a wide variety of people, which I think is so great for her. Um, that's not something that I got to experience going to school because I went to a county school versus she goes to a city school mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm really glad that she gets to meet lots of different kinds of people definitely and you were mentioning earlier about eastern Kentucky that's a place where county is a strong identity you know when you ask someone where they're from they'll say well I'm from Estill County yeah so my grandfather would say he's from Hazard County <laughs> okay yes. very familiar with that and yeah. that's where those community names really chime in because three miles away in Hazard County is a long it's way. a long way there's mountains and and hollers and all kinds of stuff to traverse and yeah it's a long way in an area like that especially you know 60 70 years ago too certainly I don't want to take away from what 
you want to ask? But no, I'm curious about actually recording with your extended family, with your father and your grandfather, mm -hmm. and how that's you know we've all experienced kind of creative shifts with these last couple of years. How is that bringing things in a fresh way for you? So. Um, my husband, his big pandemic project was to build a timber frame studio in our backyard. <laughs> and it's just, it's just recently finished. Um, and, I mean, there's still a lot to do, but it's usable is, is the point that I'm trying to make. It has electricity finally. So we have been recording in that studio um, like a lot last week. Um, and it's been, it's just been really nice because it's in our backyard and we can carry our instruments literally just right down the hill and there's the studio and my dad and my grandfather live very close to both of us so it's just um, easy and and comfortable for all four of us to record there that makes for a great experience and yes. brings something a little different than you know family picking together versus recording mm -hmm. doesn't always bring out everyone's talents it's true yeah so the way we've been approaching it is um, no headphones like you know like all the records I've made I've had headphones on and been isolated but with the family band record uh, it's been fun because we've just like kind of all been in the same room and no headphones just recording like live takes and we'll do like two or three and then just pick the one that we think sounds the best and all right this next song uh, is one that was written by my grandfather who is going to be 90 next month his name is Willard Gayhart and um, he's a pencil artist and he draws portraits of Appalachian people and um, different scenes and stuff like that and he's also um, a songwriter and a musician and I've learned a lot from him and uh, he's written many songs about growing up in eastern Kentucky in the late 30s and early 40s and <laughs> woo Kentucky and um, this is one of my favorite songs as a child uh, and it's a true story about a um, dog that would jump out and try to bite you as you walked by this house. Um, and it belonged to a couple of bachelors, as my grandfather likes to say, um, named Ern and Zori. And so this song is called Ern and Zori Sneaking Biting Dog. And I will do my best to sing over the, whatever that is, the septic truck. Love it. Oh, the night was black as pitch when I'd give my girl a kiss and go whistling up the hill back to my place. It was just a mile or two and the Appalachian dew would hang heavy in a mist upon my face. I learned the mud holes and the ditches, the shortcuts and the fences. I could even cross old Elk Fork on love. But what I always feared the most, more than old Dark Holler's ghost, was earning Zori sneaking, biting dog. I wish they'd tie him up, that dreaded rascal pup. I'd be happy as a king upon a throne. I'd go walking bravely by with a twinkle in my eye and whistle Mountain Dew on my way home. On the weekends I would go to the moving picture show with my friends across the hill at Carbon Glow. Back through the darkness of the pines after watching Frankenstein, we lost no time in finding our way home. 
We learned the mud holes and the ditches, the shortcuts and the fences. We could even cross old Elk Fork on a log. But what we always feared the most, more than old Dark Holler's ghost, was Ern and Zori sneaking, biting dog. I wish they'd tie him up, that dreaded rascal pup. I'd be happy as a king upon a throne. I'd go walking bravely by with a twinkle in my eye and whistle Mountain Dew on my way home. Oh, and whistle Mountain Dew on my way home. Thank you, guys. Talking about some of the uh, Appalachian themes, you know, you touched on uh, black Appalachians, and you support Black in Appalachia and Appalachian Center for Equality, I think especially, or those are listed as some that you've supported. Mm-hmm. What what stands out uh, about those organizations to you? I just think it's important for other groups of people to get recognition, and not just like across the nation, but especially in Appalachia, like as I mentioned earlier, where people do think it is, you know, 99% white, and that's just not the case. So, um, being a woman, which is, you know, a minority of its own, I think it's important to bring attention to other minorities. So it's important to me to um, make sure that people know there are all sorts of communities um, and different cultures in Appalachia. So those are two that I've, yeah, supported in the past and that are important to me. Yeah. Um, Thinking about your musical taste, what is something that you enjoy listening to that might surprise your fans? Um... I mean, I, I listen yeah, to, <laughs> thanks, Nick. I was going to say, I listen to a lot of, a fair amount of rap, um, especially like when I'm trying to write, just because it helps with wordplay, because rappers are very good at that, and they are, they just have um, some really clever and creative uh, wordplay, and so that's helpful for me when I'm trying to write new material. We need to know who. What's Sorry. that? We need to know who. Oh, who? <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, yeah, Sloan I mean, interjects. Who? I do. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get made fun of for this one, but I do like Jack Harlow, who's just a white boy from Kentucky. But <laughs> um, also, also really like Noga Erez, who's an Israeli rapper. Um, she's really good and very different from a lot of what you typically hear. Um, I mean, Kendrick Lamar obviously is incredible, and yeah, just a little all over the place. At this point, rap and hip-hop is Roots music. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's always been, and it's just maybe now getting recognized as that, but it's definitely, I would say, definitely kind of Roots music. Yeah, it's come of age when there's been just this many generations, use, you know, enjoying it, mm-hmm. using it foundationally in, in their music, and I think more and more that's coming around to what had been for forever, you know, an a straight acoustic, pretty much all white sort of environment. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I was just going to say last night we had a Ukrainian string band playing Bismarcky. So, yeah. You know, Very cool. As, as one does at Skunk Fest. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Not to totally derail this, but as all of us in audio, we do a variety of things. I have two favorite questions. You're good. I have two favorite questions that turned into podcasts recently. Okay. And if one of them speaks to you, I think one does because we already had a kind of offline conversation. Uh-huh. One is, what's your favorite one-hit wonder? Ooh. Okay. And or, what's your favorite bubbly drink? Okay. 
I definitely have, I'm sure I have a one hit wonder, but it's going to, it would take me a few minutes to come up with that. But my favorite bubbly drink, I can easily answer. Um, my whole household, especially me and my daughter, we are very obsessed with any kind of seltzer water, um, which we call fizzy in my house. And, but I'm particular about the brand. So Topo Chico and Polar, those are good. Those are my favorite. I'll, I'll do LaCroix. That's fine. I don't like the bubbly so much, the right. bubbly brand. Um, not trying to give hate to specific seltzer brands, but you know, there's like a tier. There's a, there's a level. There absolutely is. I'm obsessed with this. And so Topo Chico, for example, has tinier, tinier and more bubbles. bubbles. And it's, it's just fizzier. It feels better in your mouth. And I a little think. bit more of a mineral flavor. Yes. Yeah. And if it's really cold and you smash it on the counter, do you know what happens? Like it fizzes out? It freezes up in the bottle. Oh, does if it? If it's cold enough. Wow. It, so that's like the test of how cold your Topo okay, is. Okay, I'm going to try that. You should totally do yeah, it. Yeah, I want to try this. It has to be ice cold. Okay. And if you pop the lid and whack it on the counter, it'll freeze. That is wild. It's okay, I have to try that. But but Polar also has kind of a regional in the Northeast. Yeah, so Nick's from in Maine. I um, was just going to say somebody's got to be from yeah, New England. Yeah, so I, that, I think there. that's how I probably was introduced to Polar, but that's one of my favorite but ones. But more readily available. So. Yeah, yeah, you can get it, like, even Galax. Galax has Polar, so. <laughs> Flavored, unflavored, don't care? Um... <laughs> Well, we have a soda stream, so we make a lot of mostly unflavored at home. If I'm buying it in cans, then like lemon or lime. Right. Yeah. Okay, so basic. I, I don't know the answer to this. When you have your own soda stream, can you adjust bubble size or bubble frequency? Not in the one that I have. Okay. I mean, you can definitely put more so carbonation in it. True. Got it. The fresher it is, the more fizzy it is. But also, you can put as much fizz as you want in it. I usually do like three, three pumps is yeah, like a good amount. Yeah, it'll carbonate it more. So for those of you who are also obsessed with fizzy water, as you say, fizzy or bubbly water, water yeah. or whatever, th th these are nuances that truly, once you start drinking it, you can tell. You can At tell. First, you're like, what are they talking about? Yeah, no, but you can tell. Yeah, it's there's a big difference. I'm pretty sure I could do like a blonde taste testing and do fairly well. <laughs> that would be fun. I think I could. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for letting me derail you a little oh, bit. Oh, no, there, that was fun. Thank you. <laughs> and while you're doing your new Topo Chico trick, you can listen to the Robert Ellis song. Topo oh, right. Chico he, and yes. Lime, so which is your soundtrack. I'm so jealous that he thought to do that before I did. Yeah, he is. Yeah. But he got like a lifetime supply of Topo Chico, which I'm really? just so jealous of. Do one for a company. Yeah, I'll do one for Polar, maybe. Mountain, oh, oh, yeah, the Mountain Valley. Um, yeah, the Arkansas, one from Arkansas. That one's great, see? Pick up a sponsor. I know. I need to. You really need it. I, I want one. I, the seltzer sponsor would be ideal, man. That would be so awesome. Yeah, they could wrap your vehicle. That would be great, man. I'm down. Blow it up. I'll let them do it. They can wrap the Subaru. We got a Subaru Forester. Please. That'd be great. She's a true believer. She loves it. Nuance. Calling it a day with Walk Away by Dory Freeman featuring Logan Ledger from her album 10,000 Roses. Thanks very much to Sloan Spencer for joining us. You can find out more about fizzy drinks like Topo Chico from Sloan and her guests on our podcast Bubble Bottles and about songs she and her guests love on her podcast One Hit History. Thanks also to Zig and all the wonderful people at the Albino Skunk Fest for making this episode possible and to Mark Hayward Johnson for running tape on Dory Freeman's performance there. Thank you for listening to this episode, and we would be even more happy for you to share it with someone. 
You are just a click away from following us on your podcast platform of choice and getting updated immediately when new episodes arrive. From there, it will only take a minute to give the series a good rating and a review. Great ratings and reviews especially will make Southern songs and stories and the artists it profiles more likely to be found by more people just like you. This series is a part of the lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media, with all the Osiris shows available at osirispod.com. You can also hear new episodes on Bluegrass Planet Radio at bluegrassplanetradio.com. Thanks also to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series on Public Radio WNCW, where we worked with Joshua Ming, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. They're going-